What's up, everybody? Welcome to A Bit Unraveled Comedy Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hansinger. Let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of A Bit Unraveled. Happy to have you guys back with us for another episode. Happy to share this guest with you. Uh, this, this guest this week uh, is an old friend of mine from college. We started off doing sketch comedy uh, in our sketch group, Seeing You Tonight. Uh, she's since gone on to New York City, where she is acting, writing, directing, and producing, creating independent films. Happy to have her on. Please welcome to the show, Jamie Monahan. Hello. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Long time no see. Yeah. Um, long, long time. Um, as I was, as I was telling uh, listeners, um, we go back to. Uh, to our days at CNU, uh, Christopher mm -hmm. Newport University, um, where we both were doing Seeing You Tonight sketch mm -hmm. comedy. Yeah. Um, which was uh, a fun time back then. And now it's been over a decade. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's great to catch up. It's great to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. And it honestly does not feel like it's been, I think it's over 10 years now, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm just trying not to, to <laughs> for the world how old I'm feeling. Um, no, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's, it's probably 13, 14 years now, mm -hmm. uh, which is wild. Time flies. It does. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't feel that long. Um, but cool. But now since you've ended up in New York. Yeah. I moved pretty much here straight after college. I ended up working at Bush Gardens. Oh, okay. I worked there as a dancer my the end of my senior year until I stayed through Christmas. So about a little over six months working there. But yeah, that yeah. was what gave me the money to move to New York. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, yeah I, I did. So I ended up working just to give you, because we have similar paths. So it's, it's yeah. interesting to kind of, uh, talk through this parallel because I did um, a marketing job for two years to save mm -hmm. up and in Richmond I did uh, well, this college marketing uh, I was an email project manager oh. uh, which sounds <laughs> half official except for it's email project manager so it's not that official um, but yeah saved up and then and moved out there um, but now you're you're originally from Virginia right uh no i actually grew up in japan yes i do remember so, that now. yeah so i grew up in japan but yes. i lived in virginia my family lived in virginia before we went overseas so that was our like home base military wise mm -hmm. so going to college in virginia was i mean that was like our home state basically right yeah very cool was it military yeah, my dad's in the Marines. Got it. Very cool. Got that little tidbit, which yeah. is a huge chunk of your life. But I, I honestly think that when I applied to CNU from Japan, they thought I was going to add to the diversity aspect yeah. of CNU. And then they met me and they're like, oh, no, you're not diverse at all. Not at all. Oh, funny. Yeah. Um, hey, whatever. You got in. It worked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. But we so so we started off doing sketch comedy and stuff. Do you did you move to New York to continue comedy or more uh, like direct acting and stuff? 
Um, so I went to CNU, I basically, I started out a musical theater major and then they wouldn't let you take all the advanced level acting classes unless you were an acting major. Mm. So I thought that was not so great. Yeah. And, um, I wanted to do all the advanced level acting classes. So I switched my major to acting and then I moved to New York city and basically with dreams of being on Broadway. And my very first audition was for an off-Broadway show. And I made it to final callbacks. And I honestly thought that's how easy it was going to be. I'm like, oh, this is just going to be so easy. I'm just going to be, you know, uh, in final callbacks all the time. You know, I'll just jump from off-Broadway to Broadway like that. And that did not happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's that's easy to get, like have those experiences too. Yeah. Um, of like early success, we're like, this is it. Yeah. This is easy. Yeah. This is piece um, cake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel like I got lucky and got an agent pretty quick out here, mm-hmm. and then it's like, yeah, it was like it was a commercial agent, so you know. But I started doing some auditions and stuff, and then it just you know it took me years to finally book that first thing. But yeah. Um. It- it's definitely a lot harder. And I will say that I didn't feel, I loved my education at CNU acting wise, but I didn't really feel like they prepped you for the business side. Sure. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't think most colleges probably prep you for how to prepare to be a business and realistically look at your finances and be like, oh, I can make this a su- sustainable career, whether or not I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> that that is like that is a a huge part of it and i feel like people are always harping that uh of like you you're a business you know Mm -hmm. you're not just an actor uh you're not just a correct creator and stuff you are a business and that's that's a tough thing to learn uh it's a tough thing to figure out i think if you can grasp it early though a business is constantly thinking of strategies and how you could um kind of add to add value to what you already have. Mm -hmm. So as an artist, I think sometimes we make the mistake of being like, well, I'm just an actor or I just do comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe we don't ever think of writing or producing or casting or, um, you know, being a production assistant or all the million other jobs that are in this industry that could be your job while Mm -hmm. you're, you know, pursuing your main passion. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what, it's something. And it's interesting talking to people on this because, uh, you know, so many, as, as I mentioned to you before we got on this, um, yeah, so many people have like different paths in and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, whether it's assistant work or, or bartending and waiting tables or, yeah. you know, to stay flexible, there's so many ways to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of us also get into it not wanting to be a business. You know, we just want to be creators. I just like, I just want to act. I just want to do comedy. Like Mm -hmm. I I want to hire somebody else to do the business, but you can't get to that without being a business. Yeah. You know, um, so let me, uh, let's, I know you have, uh, had a lot of success with independent film and stuff, but I do want to start a little earlier, uh, and just kind of talk about your experience uh moving to new york and also like what's new york like right now like because <laughs> well, it's i actually kind of love it right now at least in the summertime so usually the summer in new york is filled with tourists and 
it's just very, very busy with people. So this summer, that was not the case. There, it seemed like anyone who had a second home, like all the rich people in New York were yeah. living in their second home. So anyone who didn't need to be in the city was not here. There were pretty much no tourists. So it was like you had the city to yourself. And that was taxi was really so cool. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like taxis. I mean, multiple times you could ride the subway and no one would be on the subway, but I mostly did a city bike. I city biked everywhere, which is also like really awesome. And, um, just, so it's almost the exact same price as a subway swipe. So, and then you're getting exercise, but also it's really fun to just, you know, bike around the city. So yeah, yeah, I I've actually kind of enjoyed the lack of like how crazy it is. Yeah, I got, I got to imagine it's like, yeah, being in LA, like this, the traffic is always bad here. So mm-hmm. we've had like a lot less traffic. Uh, the smog has been gone, like yeah. the skies are clear. So um, yeah, it's, it's weird, but it's kind of it nice at the same time. Um, I will say in the beginning, um, I luckily was able to get out of the city because my parents now live in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it was a little scary because we were hearing sirens all the time, like nonstop sirens. And that really? that was in like the heat of when it was bad. Um, so luckily I was able, they just came down and got me and my sister both live in the city. So they just came and got us. And that was nice that we could escape. Yeah. With sirens as an ambulance? Yeah. Just like man. constant ambulances. Oh, man. Yeah. City that never sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Oh, and then when we came back, the fireworks, people were going oh, crazy yeah. with fireworks and like two o'clock in the morning, full on fireworks show. So, and there was a, there, there was a kid on our street who was riding. Um, it's like one of those motorized, but, but they're like bicycles. Mm-hmm. So he's riding a motorized bicycle and shooting Roman candles off the back, just oh down the street. So that, that was like, not as fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we heard them here, but we could never see them. Oh, oh, like, that's weird. Yeah. It was, it was really trippy. Like we could always hear them at night, but no one ever saw where they were coming from. It was really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, um, I don't know for you guys, but for us, like as soon as 4th of July happened, it just seemed like people yeah, stopped. Right that, that was it. <laughs> Got rid of the rest of them. All done. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, and does it feel like, I mean, are you guys still pretty locked down now? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. pretty much don't leave the apartment. The nice thing about New York is you can get everything delivered. Yeah. Um yeah you know, the restaurant industry is obviously suffering a lot. So I try to order from my favorite places as often as I can, but you can get groceries delivered. You can get alcohol delivered, like everything can be delivered. So you really don't need to leave your apartment unless you want to. Yeah. So It's nice. I mean, if this, if this was going to happen, this is probably the best period in like in history to have it happen where you can literally have things delivered and you know you have you know ways to connect like this you know technology to to not feel so isolated um i i 100 agree and what's weird is i almost have a little bit of i wouldn't call it survivor's remorse but let 2020 was actually a really good year for me artistically and 
as my like business of acting when it, it was like a really great year and it feels weird that it was so great in a year that has been not so great for so many artists and just in general yeah. so yeah. that's been interesting yeah well, there's definitely been people who've thrived in it and it's uh you know it's nice to see um you know it's still it's great for those who are struggling to find their place in everything shut down to have some direction to be like oh yeah you know this can keep going yeah. um you know and just you got to find ways to keep creating and keep moving and yeah some people are thriving it's it's awesome yeah um now now let's talk about real quick with your uh with moving to new york how how was your experience moving to new york did you because you always I hear mean, the the moved into a closet that was on the 14th floor stairs yeah. only. Had to move. for some reason you brought your piano and nobody knows why no. i i was i worked at bush gardens so i wanted to save up like ten thousand dollars to move to new york it's like the magic number yeah ten thousand dollars what's yeah. funny is it doesn't last long nope. at all nope. um but I moved to New York with like $10,000 and I drove the U-Haul from mm. Virginia to New York City, which was an adventure. Uh, and I moved here with someone that I had met at Bush Gardens who also wanted to move to New York and they were a CNU uh, student. How funny. I think like a year or two younger than me. So, and she was transferring to school up here. So we moved to the city together. Did you caravan um, together? We did in the U-Haul. I drove. <laughs> I did the same thing. That's so weird. You really? I literally drove out here with somebody from CNU who was moving the same week. And like, yeah. And we were like, yeah. might as well caravan. And yeah. how funny. It definitely helps, I think, to move yeah. with someone, you know, and someone who like, even if they're just from the same state as you, when you're moving to such a big city, it's just nice to have that connection. Yeah. So we moved here and we had picked our apartment. Like we came here. I, I feel like we just came here for like a three day trip, found a place and, and got it. And had, we, we had no concept of like what commuting would be like or riding the subway. So we unfortunately got an apartment that was a 15 mile, no, sorry, not 15 miles, but several miles and 15 minute walk to the subway oh wow if you were power walking yeah. so in the rain like didn't even think about like oh what is this going to be like in the rain or when there's three feet of snow <laughs> yeah. oh my god yeah like, oh we probably should have thought about this yeah you think about it in the best case scenario yeah i could do That's i can do 15 funny. minutes yeah yeah yeah, that was bad. And then from then on, I never lived so far from the subway. I'm always like two blocks away or like it's right on the end of my street. I won't do it ever again. Yeah. Now, where did you land when you first got up there? Because there's so many different like little what, boroughs, I think, right? They call it. Yeah. I lived in Astoria, which they okay. they call Actoria because so nice. many actors live there. What, now, what part of town is that, is that uh, north? That's Queens, which yeah. is north, right? Yeah. Uh, Northwest. Well, no, northeast. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's like right next to Manhattan. I don't know mm -hmm. how to like, it's yeah, right yeah. next to Manhattan on the right side. If you're like looking at the island. Got it. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's really nice. It's like mostly Greek, but it's one of the most diverse neighborhoods in all of America. Oh, and wow. You can hear 
like multiple languages being spoken all the time, which I really liked. And it's quiet. A lot of artists and actors live there and it's cheaper. It's yeah. probably one of the cheaper areas. That's cool. Yeah. Um, had you been up to there to New York prior to moving or was this? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I did a summer program at the New York Film Academy. Got it. So that was like the first time that I was like, oh, whoa. Um, I remember when I got off the plane, the taxi who took me to the um, hostel was mm -hmm. like, well, you're not here by yourself, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't move to this city or like come here all by yourself, right? And right. I, at least I was like, you know, smart enough to know not to answer yes to that question. Yeah. And he's like, you know, New York's a dangerous place for a young girl like yourself. And I was just <laughs> like, wow. That was my first introduction to the city of being like, you shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah. We did. So we did um, uh, Molly Buckley and mm -hmm. Eric Helwig and I all went up to New York uh, for one summer to do a second city um, oh, cool. uh, intensive. And mm -hmm. so we went up and we stayed in a hostel. We did the hostel thing for two mm -hmm. weeks, which is an experience. It's <laughs> it is. I feel like you just have to do it. Just you to gotta like... do it. It's weird. Do it when, it's weird. when you're younger because yes. you'll probably question too many things about yourself. Like, why am I letting myself stay in this shit place? Yeah, I, I had to sleep with my suitcase. I remember that because mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I don't know if I had a lock for my suitcase or not, but I had to get a lock for my suitcase so no one could open it. And then I had to sleep with it because there was really nowhere else to put it. And there were like 10 other people in the room I was in. So I was yeah. like, well, I guess I'll just like snuggle yeah, up you, my suitcase. You have no idea who's staying with you. It's no not idea. even the same people night to night. It's like yeah. bunk beds. Uh, yeah. It's literally bunk beds in an open room. I was with like, I think, eight or nine other jet like uh like asian guys that mm -hmm. slept very comfortably in just their underwear <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> like, yeah, why cool. are we this comfortable why are we all this comfortable <laughs> you know, I, like, um it was an experience and uh but it was fun and, and it, was, it was a lot of fun i love new york uh I, I think having done some of that i realized i didn't want to live there at the time mm -hmm. yeah. um it just, uh, I'm not, I'm not a big cold weather guy. Yeah. That was, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. I mean, I, at times when it's, we have really cold winter here, it's a deal breaker for me too. I'm like, why did I live here? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. Just like the city in the spring and the summer and the fall. I like the seasons. And I mean, usually what I love about New York is a lot of what we can't do right now, but the fact mm -hmm. that you can go see live music. You can go see a comedy show. You can get pulled off the street like at any time for mm -hmm. an opportunity or something to happen. Yeah. And I feel like New York has a way of really like kicking you, especially when you're down. <laughs> but right when you're like, I'm leaving, I'm, I can't stand New York anymore. I feel like they always pull you in. And you have this insane night that could only happen in New York. And you're like, oh, this is why I stay here. I call yeah. them like magical New York City nights because they don't happen that often. But when they do, you're like, oh, yeah, this is why I live here. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, I feel like L.A. has its own a, a certain pull like that as well. I mean, even to the point that I had moved away for two years, we'd, we moved to Atlanta to kind of explore that whole oh, scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then 
having been there, we were like, we just miss it. We got to get back. Uh, yeah. There's just something about it. And uh, so we got back here in February and we got locked down. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> so, but hey, it's, it's you know, if we're going to be locked down, 80 degree weather isn't so bad. Yeah, I'm jealous. So, I saw that you guys are like living in summertime right now. That's yeah, awesome. Pretty much, pretty much. But no pools are open. So no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the beaches are. So we'll we'll yeah. just go to the beach. Um, well, cool. Well, cool. Um, I do want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, your independent filmmaking and, and short film and stuff, because I think that's uh, it seems you've found quite a bit of success with that. And uh, in, in terms of just kind of taking things in your own hands, which I think is awesome. Uh, there's so many creators who uh, and actors and everything who are trying to find their way and always like, you know, I, I'm trying to find an agent. I'm trying to find the right agent. I'm not getting auditions. I, you know, you can have an agent, but you're still not getting auditions. And yeah. And then trying to book that audition, like it's tough. So um, really tough. I admire people who uh, are creating their own stuff. You know, I, I try to create my own work through sketch comedy and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've had some friends who have done full length independent features, which is an incredible feat. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's a short form platform, which I think is fascinating. Um, and I always, I'm always very interested in it. Um, I don't think my mind works in the short form format at the moment, mm -hmm. uh, which we can talk about a little bit, but, um, because it is, it is, a, it's a different beast. It's its own thing. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's talk about your, uh, your short film, uh, lucid, yeah. uh, which is, uh, on dust. It is. Found it on. Yeah. Um, it's so crazy. So after that first audition, that was like a piece of cake. I ended up getting a couple of cool gigs. I, I don't want to like diminish that they were cool, mm -hmm. but my very first off-Broadway show was given to me by a friend. I basically didn't, I, I don't think I auditioned. I was bartending at the time and they needed a bartender to be on stage in the background. <clears throat> so that was my off-Broadway debut. No lines. <laughs> Yeah. Just bar bartending in the background. Did you get tips and at least? No, no tips. No <laughs> like, tips. Send this five over to the girl in the back. Yeah. <laughs> the girl in the back. Um, so that was kind of like, oh, cool. And then I worked at the Metropolitan Opera, which mm -hmm. again was super cool, but I was a creature of the underworld. Hmm. And <laughs> I was on stage for like five minutes. And super cool but you I was like this small on the stage my parents yeah. are so amazing and they came to see it I think they must have paid like $300 a ticket to see me for five minutes in a three-hour German opera <laughs> like, oh my goodness all in German parents. yeah all in German wow um, yeah and so it was like a cool experience because I'm on the Met stage you know they, they it's five tier it's like really cool I'm thrown into an opera community, which I know nothing about mm -hmm. and working with like famous opera celebrities. I know nothing about, like, I'm just yeah. like, I'm just here to be a creature of the underworld, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool. But again, like nothing about my training, nothing, nothing about acting. It was kind of just like, I really got the part cause I was the right height. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's funny. Small enough. Fake it. Um, <laughs> and then, so a bunch, there were like 
three, four of us, four of us from CNU who decided to produce an off off Broadway show. Hmm. And because we were tired of not getting speaking roles and we just wanted to like do our own stuff. And that was amazing. And I realized that I'm a good producer, but I didn't exactly like producing with them. They were Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) And acting was amazing, but like working as business partners, we were on all different levels. Mm -hmm. So um, then I decided to produce a musical off Broadway. I would say probably like maybe two years after. Mm -hmm. So I produced a musical off Broadway. I'm in it. Everything I've done, I've like put myself in it. What is what is off Broadway mean exactly to somebody who's not super in the, I've heard that I've heard the term a hundred times, but like what, yeah. What exactly is like off Broadway? So technically, I mean, I think back in the day, it actually meant whether or not you were on Broadway, the street of Broadway. Yeah. But now the term refers to how many seats are in the house. And if it's a non-union or equity, like house or theater. Mm-hmm. So if it's an equity theater that has a certain amount of seats, which I believe have to be, well, I don't know the numbers, but okay. like in the thousands, that's sure. a Broadway equity house. That'd be Broadway. Okay. And then non-union is in like the hundreds. Okay. And that's yeah. just anything non-union is basically considered off Broadway. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Only Broadway is union. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. you, well, actually, that's not exactly true because there is some union that works in like, yeah, there is some union that works off Broadway, but primarily. Oh, good. Sorry. But there are no non-union on Broadway. Right. So yeah. Broadway, off Broadway is like basically the umbrella for independent theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Yeah. Cool. So I produced something off Broadway, a musical. I'm in it. Um, it was like $30,000. I'm the head of the budget as, as well. I'm in it. I'm mm-hmm. executive producing it. And at the same time, a girl I know was taking $30,000, similar price point, And she made a feature film, wow. an indie, a, like very indie feature film, um, and called in all the favors. And I was an extra in that movie. Mm-hmm. And then I watched her career launch from her indie film wow, and nothing happened from my off-Broadway show. While it was amazing, like it was an awesome experience, really incredible artists and working with people I've always wanted to work with. Um, the audience was kind of like not that many people every night because mm-hmm. it eventually became a decision of like, I had to be an actor or I had to be a producer. So right. I chose to be a good actor because yeah. I'd rather have less people see it and say it was amazing than, you know, have a ton of people see it and say it was mediocre. So yeah. that, that was a tough lesson. But from that, I realized that ultimately the, I mean, being on Broadway while amazing is not exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I've always loved film and television. I've watched the Academy Awards every year religiously and and if i look at the business side of things being on broadway is not sustainable Mm -hmm. where being a day player in a tv show i could make the same amount in one day that i could make in a week working a broadway show wow 
And when I really sat down and thought about that, I was like, if I want a lifetime career as an artist, then I need to really be making film. Yeah. <laughs> film and TV is where I need to be. Definitely. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah it's kind of that thing of like going to school to be a doctor and then getting there and be like I don't want to be a doctor you know whatever it is although a doctor is probably a pretty good profession with a good paycheck but you know what I mean like it's yeah that thing of like oh yeah I want to be a school teacher and you're like no I don't yeah (laughs) Yeah. and the other thing what I thought the other thing I realized too was that you know um like doing the off-broadway show was great but I had no proof because you're legally not supposed to record union actors. And I mm. didn't, I know a lot of people do, but I didn't. And so I didn't have any proof that I, I made this thing. Whereas, you know, with film and TV, everyone, you know, if, if people can just see you act or can see, you know, what you've done, it really helps move your career forward. And I just didn't have any, I had pictures. I'd be like, this yeah. picture proves, you know? So yeah, that was when I really, wanted to start transitioning into film and television and also just tired of, I know pretty much every girl can tell this story, but auditioning for like the dumb blonde or, Mm -hmm. you know, just really two dimensional roles that no one would be excited to play. (laughs) Just like nothing creative about it. Yeah. And I know casting wise, I get a lot of like, cheerleader cheer captain girl next door all american um most people wouldn't cast me doing like a dark complex role so that's why i I wrote one for myself that's awesome which was lucid yeah that was a very long answer for you that was great (laughs) but we got the whole build up to the to hitting the lucid Yeah. yeah um and it was uh it was fantastic um it's very well uh very well produced uh i was very impressed uh great storyline and everything because i know you you created it you directed Mm it um it's it's very it's impressive like the the shooting and filming of it's awesome too um and is this so you probably uh like who's your cinematographer did you meet jake Jake Simpson, he's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, Jake from State Farm. Um, Jake Simpson's amazing. I basically put out an ad on Craigslist and because Craigslist is actually great for finding crew. So I put out an ad on Craigslist. I had some images of what I was looking for. I got hundreds of responses. Um, and I think I, I watched like a hundred DP reels. Yeah. Wow. It was a lot. But when I saw Jake's, his style of filming, um, everything, I just really wanted to work with him. And then we, I, we did like a video chat and Mm -hmm. interviewed him because I believe he was in Russia. Oh, so I was like, he was in Russia filming something and I was in New York and we just like did a zoom interview and it went long and we just like were geeking out over film stuff and basically hired him on the spot. Yeah. So that was really fun because now I've, I've used him for both of my projects because he's just, he's just really good. Yeah. So now you, you wrote it, correct? Mm-hmm. Wrote it, directed it, and then you're doing the producing. So you're having to yeah. gather all the different, the director, the editor and, and yeah. the actors and everything. Did you hold casting then also? 
I did. I held oh, casting. All the hats. Yeah, it was really cool. I wasn't, I hired a casting director that I really admire named Erica Hart. And she's worked with like the NBC diversity program. Okay. Um, so she brought in like the coolest people. And um, there, I knew who I wanted for one of the characters, but pretty much everyone else was open for the best person. Was one of those characters just you? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> I know yeah, yes. I want to be I mean yes I'm going to be in it, it. Um, but um I knew I <laughs> I knew that I wanted to work with the character who plays Varys so Miles Clohessy I knew I guy. wanted to work with him right. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um but I still made him audition because nice. I think you should, I think you should do that yeah and totally it, I, like I didn't tell him that you know uh, that I was thinking of him from the the start for the role but um because I had worked on a project that he was in and I instantly I just like the the way he his acting style but also like how he is on set and I just felt like we really clicked on that set so I felt it was an easy it would be an easy and that I mean that's a difficult role to cast yeah <laughs> for definitely. anyone who doesn't know what Lucid happens in the beginning it's just like that's a tough scene and you want to make sure that it's with someone that you really trust and respect yeah. as an artist yeah i mean do you want to set up the <laughs> give her some yeah sure uh lucid basically the synopsis is that charlie is sexually assaulted on a girl's night out and then turns to virtual reality therapy in order to get over her experience but becomes addicted to vr yeah which like i i was uh so it's a sci-fi also which i think yeah. is important to to note um and it you know it like there's just so many little intricate things even like the headset i was like you could have easily mm -hmm. done like a regular vr headset but you chose yeah. to do something more industrial looking kind of futuristic looking uh yeah. to give it the feel um i mean you guys had such awesome locations um thank you That's and uh I mean, like there was a lot that went into it. It was, it was well done. It was really well Thank done. Um, but um, yeah, I, I thought that just like the intricacies and the details of that and like the VR set, I was like, I own a VR set and I was like, well, that's not what they look like, but it's in the future. And it's like, that's, you, you know, you came up with a concept for it. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and then also I thought, uh, now did you, now I, I guess going off the sci-fi thing, uh, mm -hmm. It landed on Dust, yeah, which is a sci-fi platform with yeah. like over two million like subscribers. Yeah. Um, were you aware of Dust going into this, and was that no. a okay? It was actually. It's such a. I mean, this is just how it works, and I know you know, but like, <laughs> none of it was planned. All sure. I all I really planned was I wanted to film this, and I wanted to. You know, so obviously that part was planned. I decided in January that I wanted to film and then we were filming in July. Okay. And okay. yeah. And then um <laughs> and then we edited it and then it was ready to start like submitting to film festivals in 2019. Yeah. So 2019, so we did the festival circuit and that was just like insane. I mean, I submitted to so many festivals and you can spend a lot of money mm. submitting to festivals. And it's just so interesting, like what 
it gets into and what it doesn't get into. Um, like I submitted it to Tribeca. I mean, I always think you yeah. should have some like dreams because you never oh, know, yeah. you never yeah. know. But I went to watch the Tribeca sci-fi shorts. And mm. when I did, I was like, oh, that is why we did not get in because oh, wow. some of these are filmed with a half a million dollar budget for a short film, wow. like just unbelievable, you know, CGI and just special effects, like just crazy. One of them looked on the caliber level of Star Wars. It was something that like, I mean, so it was kind of encouraging. Wow. I, yeah. I think it is important to kind of look at if you do not get into a festival to see who got in, not that they're your competition, but just to be like, oh, okay. Sure, totally. Um, now with, with these like half million dollar shorts, are they like 15, 20 minute shorts? Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand it. Like logistically, it doesn't make sense to me. And now that I've been on the back end of it, I mean, there's almost no money to be made in filmmaking anyway. But like when it comes to shorts, it's the only, I mean, the real only reason you should make a short is if you haven't done anything yet and you're trying to get like your foot in the door and you need a calling card. That's mm -hmm. like reason number one. Reason number two you want to make a feature film, but you're going to make a short version in order to encourage people about fundraising and get people excited and generate buzz and press and all that stuff. And then you do a short film and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> or it's a passion project for you. I don't know, right. but like it, Luke, it just, it's really hard to make yeah. your money back on films anyway. So yeah. my idea was that technically lucid is not a short it's a proof of concept for a tv show cool so it, it's a miniature pilot episode to what the season would be and what happened conveniently is that because it has a beginning middle and end within the proof of concept i could then submit it to film festivals as short film got so, it very yeah. cool so yeah. going into it you you chose a sci-fi just based on the the script and idea, not necessarily to create a niche for it. Yeah. Okay. Which yeah, is I, awesome. Yeah. I just, I, I just like I, I was talking about what's that? I just grew up watching sci-fi. Yeah, like Star no, it's, it's Wars awesome. And Star Trek and there was I just, actually oh, I know sorry, some people who picked out like horror films, like or or like um uh, just different things that like see they got uh notoriety off it being mm -hmm. a niche but maybe didn't mm -hmm. realize it was a niche and i think that's kind of yeah. where yours falls in uh but it's interesting yeah. because i think it got mass exposure from a thing like yeah. dust or you oh know, yeah it, on, and film festivals and things as well but off it being a niche so it's just interesting mm -hmm. whether that's a planned idea or if it just you know just kind of happens well for horror if you're gonna do a horror short there's a lot of opportunities of where it could go so that mm -hmm. I could see why people would choose to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I had no intention necessarily. Like I didn't, I didn't have that concept um, for sci-fi. And honestly, I wasn't aware of dust or that many opportunities for sci-fi shorts. Um, what happened with dust was so random, which I was kind of leading into it. I got into the Holly shorts monthly screening program and we screened at the Chinese theater, which was awesome. How cool. And at the same time, 
that we were going out there, I submitted in like the open submissions to dust, I submitted Lucid, but I never heard back, which is pretty common from those things because they're just massive and they get, you know, hundreds of submissions all the time. Well, the head of Holly Shorts was at the screening of Lucid and Lucid won audience choice award clearly because I got all my friends in LA to come and vote, but like it was. So what? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's how that works. Exactly. Just I tell people all the time, like to go from an award nominated person to an award winning is only one award. And it doesn't matter what the award is. You just yeah. go from, you know, anyway. Um, yeah, so we all the stops and get that one award. Yeah. Exactly. Um, But we just got everyone to come and vote. And, and the, so the head of the festival was there and his friend works at dust and is a part of programming. So he sent it over to her. I didn't know that he sent it over to her. And then I was CC'd on an email with like the head of dust, the head of Holly shorts and the head of gunpowder and sky, which is Dust's umbrella company. Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh, hi, guys. Yeah. Um, and they said they wanted to license Dust, or sorry, Lucid on Dust. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's pretty much how it all happened. And it was funny because, well, not funny, but like we went to LA January of 2020. So this was oh, right my. before the shutdown. Yeah. And then I would say right before the shutdown, I was connected to dust, but then the shutdown happened and I was so worried that nothing would happen because I'm like, it was just like all up in the air and emailing slowed down and people weren't always in their offices and stuff like that. And so that was definitely like a concern for me. But then when it finally happened, it happened in June, end of June or July. Mm -hmm right in the middle of everyone kind of being home, which really helped, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great time to be releasing content. Yeah. People are available to watch. Um, yes. So it's a great time for that. Um, that's really cool. Um, yeah. And then you, know, you got to come out here and do the Chinese theater and everything. You got, yeah. thankfully that all happened before. Yeah. You know, I know. it was January and not March. <laughs> crazy just um, crazy yeah um now with shorts did you were, were there i know you mentioned a friend of yours had done like the feature was that the big mm-hmm. inspiration or did you have other inspirations from other short films uh along the way that, that got you moving the the friend who did the feature film really started it off and i decided that i would shadow her or, or try to shadow her um on her next project. So I volunteered to be a free production assistant. And my goal was to be like the best production assistant she'd ever worked with and just learn everything I could possibly learn. So on that project, I went from production assistant to assistant director by the end of the shoot. And then ended up working with her for an entire year We did, I I was a producer, an executive producer, an assistant casting, casting director. I just, we just, I did everything. And I think I filmed, I worked on five, five projects in one year. 
And that all led up to then me filming in July. So it was great because I got to just watch and observe and be on the back end of stuff. I learned all about SAG paperwork and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just hiring and firing and contracts and negotiations and all that stuff. And then I finally felt like I was ready to do my own thing. And the funny thing that we were kind of talking about earlier with Lucid is, I I mean, when I went to Holly Shorts, I had... I had been working on Lucid already for like two years. Wow. So it coming out this year or like last year, it was like a three year journey to get on dust. And that's, that's the other thing that's very different from theater, you know, theater, you get cast in the project, you work on the project, you have your cast party and you're done. You don't really think about it anymore. You're finished. You're on to the next thing. But for, with film, it's like, it's never ending. We just got into another festival. Like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> I feel like it's this little, do you remember that book, the um, the little engine that could? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I think I can. I think I can going up the hill. I mean, it's just like, won't stop. But yeah. it's great. But it's just, there's no, it doesn't, as a filmmaker or creator, it doesn't ever feel like there's like a closure. Like totally. it's done. Like, oh, well, and I think I think, like you said, the goal is is bigger than just festivals. It's trying to take yeah. it to the t- to to a TV series. And the yeah. uh, reason I asked about the inspiration too, because I, I was always fascinated by um, Bottle Rocket for one, which was mm-hmm. started off as a short film and blew up the uh, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, Mark Duplass uh, yeah. has a short film. Where yeah. he he spends like six minutes trying to create an answering machine. Uh, and he went to Sundance. Yeah, and he went to Sundance, and it sparked mm-hmm. his career. And yeah. I think those stories are fascinating. And, and I've always been interested in shorts, uh, but as somebody who writes comedy and particularly sketch comedy, mm-hmm. uh, it tends to be a lot shorter. And like, so it's interesting. Like, the thought of of drawing out and, and having like something like fifteen minutes. Uh, is a, more of a challenge in my mind uh, for comedy because it's so yeah. much about pacing and yeah. and there's so much uh, like imagery and, and stuff that you can do with a short film um, that like you can have time and you can be patient mm-hmm. with it. So it's um, I'm always fascinated by it because it's its own art form. Yeah. Um, but the sky is the limit you know, when you, when you do it well and you come up with a cool, unique idea. Yeah, I think so. I I think ultimately though, if you are deciding to do a short, it's really about, I guess, why, why you're doing it. Because even if you look at HBO, HBO has a couple of shorts, Netflix has a couple of shorts. I mean, the, the smartest thing to do if you were a documentary filmmaker is to do documentary shorts because you could potentially win an Oscar for a documentary short. You know yeah. what I mean? Or yeah. animated shorts if you were an animator. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there's just there's not a ton of places your short could end up once it does the festival circuit. Unless you put it on YouTube or it gets on a platform. But even like just the truth of it all, if even if it gets onto an amazing platform like Dust, mm-hmm. it's not um a huge paycheck for filmmakers. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you you definitely wanted, for me, I was thrilled about the idea of how many people watch it. Like I I can't fathom 
how many people is like 250,000 people, which I think is what it's at right now. Mm-hmm. 250,000. Like that's just, for me, that's crazy. I can't imagine. And that is great for a first film. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, are you, are you pitching this as no, knowing that that's where you want to go with it. Are you doing, doing pitch meetings? Are you, are you working towards that? Yes. And no. Um, this summer I was a part of the, um, Sundance TV episodic writing program Mm -hmm. and lucid was the one that got into that program. So we were working on developing lucid into a one hour pilot script, Hmm. which is so hard to do. I, I still say that I'm not a writer, even though technically I've written two things already. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's a lot of writing. And I did learn that I do not want to be a staff writer. I'm not trying to be, you know, I write to film what I want to film. Mm -hmm. Um, but sci-fi writing is really hard because it involves tons of research. Like, yeah, Anytime I think of anything in, in, in the lucid world, I have to think of like, what is the future science? Like what currently exists that we could do? And then what, what does future science look like? And then what, what's like imaginary science from that? Like, how could right. we make this even cooler, but still have all the science that backs it. So it seems legitimate instead of like fantasy. That's right. so hard. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even something so simple as entering a building, like, is there a doorbell? Is there, does mm-hmm. it recognize you by your eye? Or is it just, does it see your gene coding? Like, how does the door open? Like, does it just slide open? It, do you, it, there's a million things. Is there oh, yeah, someone okay. on the other side that greets you? Is it an AI? Is it a robot? Is it a hologram? Like, mm-hmm. Well, even, I mean, yeah. And it's <laughs> even like, what is the status? I was like, is the world crumbled or are exactly. we thriving? And like, is yeah. it super technological or has everything fallen apart? You know, it's, exactly. um, it's, it's a lot of world building. So, I mean, I did a lot of work on it, but um, ultimately I've been working on my newest project and it's hard to, it's hard to split your brain creatively to like, I also teach. So like teaching and inspiring other people, plus creating my own content, plus having to further and continually feed this project, it seems too much to do all three at the same time. It's a lot. It's a lot. What what are you teaching? So I teach people how to produce their own content. I do a lot of like private coaching for people who want to create their own short films or I teach a class called Pitch Perfect, which teaches people how to make a pitch deck and have a really solid video pitch for whenever they go into that meeting with Lionsgate or Stars or HBO. So that's awesome. And so, yeah. are you running that uh, over Zoom or? Yeah. I guess since it, it, it's was that a recent thing or how how long ago did you start doing the teaching? Luckily, I started before everything happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So I started in, I want to say 2018, 2019. And that was what helped me leave my bartending job. Yeah. I'm like fully (laughs) freelance. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, And I mean, I was so thankful for my bar job because it was a job 
I mean, I'm sure they don't want to hear this, but it was a job that I could do and not have to think that hard about, you know, like I do the job and then I leave and I only worked four days a week and I made a lot of money. And then those other days I was doing my other full-time job of acting or, you know, being a producer. So, Mm -hmm. and it always worked out. And I was like the one person who, whenever they offered a cut or if anyone, if they didn't need someone, I was like, I'll go. I don't yeah. um, which you always need one of those on staff, I think. Um, yeah, I was, I, I've waited tables for a while out here trying to like, cause it's super flexible and, yeah. and in an actor town, like LA, New York, like they'll work yeah. with you. And mm-hmm. um, I'll never forget showing up to one of my jobs. And I was like, I had to do an audition at like 10, 10, 10 30 in the morning in Santa Monica, but I worked in Sherman Oaks. And so I had to go do the audition and, and this place open starting at lunch. So mm. I had to be there for like an 1130 open. Gosh. And I was like the bartender. So I was the only, per, you know, it wasn't like another server could take my tables. Yeah. And I got there and like the manager's like, you suck and like blah, blah, blah. And then the owner who was a former actor was like, you lay off of him. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> he's like, listen, what happened? And I was like, I had an audition and I tried, I was doing my best. And the guy, everything got hung up. He's like, that's cool. It's cool. I got yeah. you. Just don't do it again. And I was like, yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> one of my best experience. I mean like best worst again, like I hope no one from my old job is listening, but I was, I, I, I saw that casting director that I knew was looking for someone last minute to, to be the lead in this commercial because the girl got sick, something like that. And I fit the bill to mm-hmm. T but I was on my way to my work shift and I was like, how is this going to happen? So the casting director had me on hold and it was one of those things where I'd have to like, I'm in Manhattan. If I got it, I'd have to jump in a taxi, go to Brooklyn. I only had my like restaurant work clothes. So I was just like, Oh God. And I'm like walking to work, trying to figure out if I'm going to call out sick or like what's going to happen and how shitty to call out. Like, right before my shift <laughs> but but it was a lot of money and I would be the lead in this commercial and so finally I was like I called work and just told them that I threw up on the subway I was like I don't know what happened but I'm throwing up on the subway and I, oh I don't think I should come to work and they were like don't worry about it we're slow tonight it's gonna be fine and then I didn't get the commercial oh no <laughs> and I was like oh, oh no but it's it's so hard, especially hard. when you first start 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 out. I feel like you're always afraid to call out of your restaurant job. You yeah. know, like yeah. I always felt like. Oh yeah. But I mean, because in in big cities, you need you need money. You can't yeah. you can't get fired and have a lot of time off. You still got to pay those bills. Exactly. When, in, in New York, with auditioning, do you guys are they pretty spread out? Like, can you have an audition in Queens and Brooklyn? No, not usually. They're almost all in Manhattan, which is awesome. And they're all relatively close to each other. There was one time where I got an audition for a casting director who usually, the only thing is like, they go to, um, they're like, they're not always in the same place. That's Mm -hmm. what can be. Um, So the casting directors will just rent out of different studios sometimes. so one time I was like, oh, this casting director always is at this part of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And then they were actually in their other location. Oh, but no. I, it was like one of those things where you, you could jump in a cab and 
you know, have a New York moment, be like, get there. I'll tip you more if you get there on time. Yeah, it's yeah. an audition. And you get there and, you know, it's fine. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. We definitely have, uh, it's pretty spread out here. So like yeah. to be doing um, some of these like uh, um, self-tapes and stuff is actually yeah. super nice. Because yeah. I mean, you could have it in Santa Monica and then you're back in North Hollywood and they're like maybe a half hour apart. And you're like, I don't know how that's possible. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And yeah. you, know, you figure it out. Um, I felt that way. Cool. We took meetings when we were in L.A. last time and like we met with like several major places and and they were all over. And we'll, yeah. we went all the way out to Santa Monica from like West Hollywood or oh, I don't know where were we somewhere far mm -hmm. and we get out there and they canceled the meeting and we're like, ah, no, <laughs> I guess like an hour to get out here. Yeah. Um, it, but yeah, the funny thing it's about Santa Monica from like most parts in town, like you can get there in like 20 minutes, but on the way back, if you hit traffic, it can be an hour and a half. Oh, <laughs> so it's like, if you, it's just bottlenecks. So if you yeah. like, and I feel like the most common audition I would get would be, uh, Santa Monica Friday at four o'clock. Oh, no. <laughs> so by the time I got out, it was like rush hour the whole way back. And I'm like, Son oh, of no. <laughs> but, uh, it's fine. You know, it's usually the rush, the traffic would be standstill. So you could just stop and read. Uh, <laughs> wow. um, but that's uh, one thing I, I haven't driven like pretty much since I've been here, I've, I've never had a car. I'll drive like when I go home to Connecticut or on like a vacation or something, but like, you just really don't need a car. Yeah. yeah. Kind of forgot it's what it's cool. like to have a car. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, well, very cool. Um, and then uh, you mentioned a, a second project. What, what's your, oh, yeah. uh, what's the, the second short you uh, had done? So we shot it in 2019 and then post has been drastically slowed down because mm -hmm. of COVID. Okay. And also... I've kind of felt a little bit like, what's the point of attending a festival if you can't actually attend it? Sure. It's my personal opinion. Um, but it is a group of sorority vigilantes who kill bad men and eat them to get rid of their bodies. <laughs> All right. Nice. nice. And this, <laughs> so one's, this one's in the can. We're just waiting for yeah. the edits. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. And it's also a proof of concept for a TV series again, but a short film so it's pretty dark well it's dark and funny at the same time but yeah. I took my sorority experiences from college and yeah. um kind of like enhanced those situations and then the combination of like the me too movement as well as the rise of the female anti-hero which is yeah. pretty exciting so that's cool I mean they're great stories and it's it's the perfect time for these stories to come out um mm -hmm. you know probably too late some of these stories should have been happening <laughs> years ago yeah uh, a long time ago but um but it's cool to take advantage of that and and uh you know get those stories out and and you know push that narrative so uh mm -hmm. it's very cool um well cool this has been super fun um i do want to try to promote some of your stuff is there uh anywhere they can where can they find your classes um obviously we've told everybody where to to find uh the the short but where can they keep up with you uh you know to look out for the next thing coming through well i'm on all the things twitter instagram facebook 
Clubhouse, which we'll see if I, I stay on that. Clubhouse. I, or on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Um, but I'm a, I'm the same thing on everything. So it's at J M E Monahan. Cool. Um, and I'll, I'll write that up for you too. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so it helps that it's on all the things. Yeah. And then Instagram is really like my go-to um, source, I would say. Yeah. And I have and a website. You can find your classes and stuff as well. Yeah. Awesome. My classes are on there. And then, you know, my website is jamiemonahan.com. Yeah. It's easy. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely check out her work and uh, keep an eye out for future stuff. It was super exciting to catch up and, uh, and, you know, happy for your success and the way things are going for you. So we look forward to hearing more. Thanks. All right. We'll see, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in to a bit unraveled. I'm Ryan Hansinger. We'll see you next week.